time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to a special edition of the Get Home Safe podcast. For those watching on YouTube, you can tell our background is a little different. We are high above the sacred ground that is SoFi Stadium for the big NFC Championship game this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. My Rams, of course, hosting that game and hopefully can host the game after that, which would be Super Bowl 56. The 49ers uh, come into SoFi for the second time in about uh, four weeks or so, three weeks maybe that is, uh, week 18. It was a very crazy, wild game that they played against the Rams just to get in the playoffs. Rams had a shot at the two seed and then uh, ended up sliding all the way to the four seed with the loss. So the 49ers got in, the Rams went to the four seed, had to go on the road to beat Tampa Bay uh, last week to advance the NFC championship. And thanks to those San Francisco 49ers who went to green Bay and beat the green Bay Packers, the number one seed, the Rams ended up hosting the NFC championship game after all. So I know the 49ers, uh, can call LA a second home, uh, from their Northern California, uh, region. We'll say a lot of, uh, LA 49er fans here. I'll never understand it, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Uh, today's a Friday edition of the pod, guys. We have an excellent, excellent guest for you. Uh, this is season three of the Get Home Safe podcast, and uh, we've tried to keep this thing going with great guests for uh, our Friday episodes. Well, I've had talked to a lot of former colleagues in officiating, professional baseball umpires, uh, college baseball umpires, a lot of guys that I've officiated football with. A ton of people from my old high school, Real Hondo Prep, all the people that have gone on to do great things from there. Um, today, we are going to be joined once again by another former professional baseball umpire who currently umpires college baseball as well. Uh, he's a project manager for a telecommunications company um, for his nine to five, we'll say. And uh, he does some woodworking uh, as a side business as well. Uh, the main reason he's here today is because even though he lives in the free state of Florida, he is a San Francisco 49ers fan, a diehard one at that. If you saw the uh, photos I put out uh, of him on Thursday, you would see uh, some 49er gear and a kind of a weird FaceTime photo there with Kyle Shanahan. Yes, that really was the head coach of the 49ers uh, on that FaceTime with Travis here. So I'll let him tell you all about that. We do have on the program today, Mr. Travis Carlson, a guy I met way back in 2009. Haven't seen him probably since then, but have chatted here and there. We'll talk about it. You'll hear the story as we go here. I'm really excited about this to talk about Travis's umpiring career, to talk about, uh, of course, the Rams and Niners. You can't say enough about this game this Sunday. I'm jacked. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm scared. All of the above. Um, it's just going to be a fun, fun game, I hope. And uh, someone's going to walk away mad and sad, but that's the beauty of sports. So let's not waste any more time. Let's bring on our guests. That's why you guys are tuning in. Let's uh, bring on the program another 49er fan, man. I can't get away from these people but uh most of them most of them are good people and uh, travis is uh, is uh, uh, is definitely one of those guys so it's my privilege to bring on the program mr travis carlson all right we are now joined by a member 
of the enemy, it looks like. He's uh, coming to us from across uh, the battlefield, if you will. He's in front of Levi's Stadium. Even though he's from Tampa, Florida, we got to ask him how that connection worked. Travis Carlson, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really um, glad you invited me. Oh, man, it's it's a blast. Uh, it's a pleasure. I, you know, over the course of a year now, I've been trying to reach out to different people, different times, and this just happened to match up perfectly as both of our teams here are playing in the NFC Championship game on Sunday. It absolutely did. It was, yeah, you know, obviously it just came came up with won the game and I don't think a lot of people thought that the 49ers even stood a chance um given the the injuries and going into Lambeau and you know Aaron Rodgers was having another MVP year and we just thought like you know and as much as our secondary has been exposed uh, I guess you could say for much of the year um I thought I, I had a feeling that Rodgers was going to have a field day you know Adams had just come off the COVID list when we played earlier in the year. You know, we kept it close, took the lead late, and then let Rodgers do his thing and drive him down the field and get that game-winning field goal, which is a backbreaker because, you know, it put us in a, a big hole. Um, you know, it dropped us to three and four. Um, so it was it, it was like one of those, like, you're, you're, you're looking and thinking, and this season's about to go down the drain if we can't put something together. And, uh, you know, it, they lost one more game after that to drop them to three and five. And, and then I the Rams came in for you guys like, right they came, on time. They did. They did. And, you know, and I was sitting, <laughs> sitting in Orlando uh, with my girlfriend and we, we, I was like, you know, this is one of the, the first, the first opportunity we had to watch a game together and she has zero interest in watching it. Um, but, you know, she's trying to be the supportive, the supportive one. And she's like, you know, I'll watch it with you. And, I don't think she truly understood until that point, like the, the amount of passion that I have for 49er football, um, you know, yelling and, and granted there wasn't much yelling in that game. Cause it was, it was pretty lopsided from the get go, but <laughs> um, she, she realized like, okay, you know, this is something he's passionate about, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good game for her to experience. She didn't get to see the full fledged uh, disappointment or, or anything of that nature, but uh, yeah, that was, I think, and, you know, it was, I, that was one of the games where, you know, like maybe we aren't, you know, I always say your record is what you say you are, but um, I don't think that was indicative. I think, you know, we were bit by the injury bug a little bit there in the middle of the season and uh, just kind of persevered a little bit. And uh, so it was nice to see that. And that kind of just put us on a, a path uh, to win some games. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the relationship thing. Um, you know, yeah, same thing. Been with my girlfriend a few years and I'm a pretty mild, quiet guy, but I'm just like, look at four hours a week on one day, four hour stretch, roughly might be three, but let's plan for four. Um, I'm pretty much a lunatic and I need those four hours. And this is just me being upfront and honest. So sometimes they have to experience it and be like, oh, you were like serious about <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, and that's uh, that's basically something that, that conversation that that we had um prior to kind of just like getting going and stuff like that it was like I, I said I'm very passionate about football and on Sundays like <laughs> I I won't sit you know typically won't sit down and watch any other games I'll probably throw it on the TV or you know yeah. put it on TV in the garage as I'm working or whatever I said but when the 49ers come on like all bets are off I'm watching the game like it's just it's what I it's what I do. And I don't watch other sports that way, you know, 
even if, you know, for college, I, I follow the USF Bulls. My brother went to school there. So I have a little vested interest in that. But I, if I can't watch it, I can't watch it. I'll follow it, you know, via the box score or radio or whatever. Just um, I'll watch it if I can get a chance to watch it. But it's not like the 49ers where I'm making sure, you know, I'm home in front of the TV. You know, even if it is just right before kickoff, or I'm, you know, turn, turn it on as soon as the ball is kicked off. But uh, I definitely want to get those those games in. <laughs> I had to, uh, that was one of the, it was a Monday night game. So I was at work and I had to, I, I had this fine line. Do I record the games and watch them later? That particular night I said, no, I got to watch it. So I'm walking around my phone, walking around work, looking at my phone and trying everything in my heart to not throw the phone or scream. And I'm just like, uh, can you imagine Travis, what our televisions, if our televisions could speak the things they would tell other people that we have shouted at our televisions. Absolutely. And I think, uh, <laughs> I had a few of the, those moments, you know, the other night when they played the Packers, you know, we were down, couldn't, you know, had going into the like four minutes into the second quarter, we had negative 10 yards. And I'm just sitting there like, man, this is not at least let's l- at least keep it close and not get embarrassed, whatever. And then, you know, just kind of from there, it, they, they just stuck it out. And obviously we saw the result, but uh, yeah, the, the ups and downs in that game were, that was unbelievable. We're tough. Well, well, you were fortunate really to kind of get your game out of the way early, at least on Saturday, yeah. um, because what a, what a weekend. I mean, you don't watch the other playoffs may be different, but I can't think of four better games I've ever seen on back-to-back days like that playoff football, every game being uh, completed on the last play of the game. I mean, what a weekend we had last week. Absolutely. I think that, you know, obviously you had the first three games, ended on regulation field goals um and, and all four ended on regular i mean they went to overtime had regulation field goals on all four games you know i think the total point difference was what 15 points from all four games all weekend so that just and it was I and mean, we talked about it at the <laughs> office all week my brother and my dad and i we all talked about it it's like that we couldn't believe how great of a weekend it was for if you're just a football fan in general even if you have no vested interest whatsoever it's almost that better. Was a great weekend. Great weekend. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Just incredible stuff. And uh, you know, you're from the Tampa area, so a family out there. And so uh, my Rams went down there to, to Florida and uh, how shocked was, was the Buccaneer community uh, with that loss after having Tom Brady, you know, the guy who can never be beaten. And I thought he was going to do it again up to my Rams with a big comeback, but finally the shoe was on the other foot where the Rams kicked the last second field goal over this guy. How was the Tampa Bay community swallowing the loss from last week? They had a really hard time. And I think it was just because it was one of those, like, you know, they had, they, they were just, down and out you know but then you know they, I got I was I'm part of a, a fantasy football um league that all my friends in there are every one of them is a Bucks fan I'm the only person in the in the league that's not a Bucks fan so they just continue talking throughout the text um all game long about how you know they're done and the defense needs to step up and but then they kept saying you know dropping the you know we got Tom Brady we got Tom Brady so nothing's <laughs> it's never over with Brady right and and I think that 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 the, the in 28 to three comeback in the, in the Super Bowl against the Falcons was just, that was what their, their hope was like that, that can happen, you know, down 25 instead of 28, but still like, that's a quite the daunting lead to, to overcome. And, and you know what, like it slowly but surely he crept his way back and you just thought like, I know as a Rams fan, you're thinking, 
How can we possibly give it away? How can we possibly give this away? It's it's all the little things that happen. Fumbling on the five yard line, going in right before half, uh, the snap over your head. I mean, the other fumbles. I mean, if if Tampa Bay uh, doesn't, if if Tampa Bay forgets somehow that Cooper Cup is the best receiver in the league, and not to put two guys on him at the very end of the game, uh, you know, we're probably talking about another great heroic Tom Brady victory. Absolutely. And uh, the the whole Tampa Bay community, you know, I'm part of a sports group on Facebook as well. Everybody was just blasting, you know, there, nobody's putting it on, you know, obviously the offense came back, but nobody's even talking about the first half. They're all they're talking about how the defense gave it up. Well, you know, you got to give credit to, to the Rams defense for, for putting them in that spot, because, you know, for the first half, it, it looked at as if, that you know the Tom Brady magic was gone um but you know it's football and and you know it can it can happen it's a matter of time man yeah we were sweating and uh, with my dad and my brother it's fun just kind of enjoying that uh, we've had a plenty of devastation together so when you get that that joyful victory that's just a special feeling uh Travis we'll come back to some more football I'm sure but uh or we will definitely but I want to talk about kind of how you and I connected. Um, it was back in 2009. I was my first year of professional baseball and I was in Florida of all places in the Gulf coast league, which is rookie ball. Um, you could barely even call it professional baseball, but it's the, the bottom of the ladder. It's where you work. You play day games in these spring training, um, facilities. And then you were in the Florida state league, which is two, two, three levels above where we were at. So you had been in the game a few years, uh, then, and basically for those that don't know, it's kind of like you go watch the guys who work at night, you learn some things from them, you know, maybe go get a bite to eat after the game. And so that's how we cross paths. I was my a rookie in 09 and it was probably your second or third year in the game at that point. That was my, actually my, so my first year was 06, uh, 07, 08. Yes. Yeah, so 09 was my fourth actual season. Um, and later that year was my, yeah, later that year, I, I got ranked number one and moved to double A after the season. But yeah, we met, um, you know, you and uh, I believe it was Blake Felter, um, who's also yes. a Rams fan. Um, Blake's a Rams fan. Yes. Missouri then, kid. Uh, Gavin Hansen, you know, I haven't spoke to him in a while. We were friends on Facebook. I don't think he just is very active on there, but uh, he's a big gopher fan. I, I yeah. believe I know my dad and him kind of chatted it up quite a bit um, being my dad's from Minnesota um, grew up a Gophers fan. So he, him and him and Gavin hit it off when they came over um, one time and then uh, Jeremy Riggs, um, Riggsy snacks um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is working in the big leagues now. So that was, that was the fun little group. Um, yeah. I, uh, so we met that year and then, uh, you know, like you said, you guys came to the games and we would always, you know, being that you guys were right there by, by Applebee's, we always would, would hit the, I mean, our hotel was right there as well. So we would, you know, obviously frequent the bees. The bees and, nest. Uh, they ate a lot of trouble uh, there after, you know, and you know, just hammered it stung up there a time or two. <laughs> it was good. It was good though. That's, those, those, you know, honestly, like that's, that's what I miss about umpiring. I don't miss the travel. I don't miss the, the hot games like you deal with in the Gulf Coast League, even the Florida State League, like you just the weather is miserable at that time of year in Florida. Um, but you don't ever, you know, 
you don't ever forget the times when you get to hang out with the guys and all that stuff. Cause that's what, uh, that's what grows relationships. That's what, you know, the brotherhood's all about, you know, everybody's, you know, always like, how are you good friends with all these guys? You, you're competing against them. Well, and honestly, like I got to walk on the field with these guys. Like we got to have each other's backs and it's, we can control it. We, we do what we can. We work together and uh, you just hope that it eventually gets to be your turn. But if not, then you've made a lot of great friendships. You know, like I said, if this is something that there's friendships that I've people that I've talked to, you know, for many, many years, even after getting released, you know, like a, um, a good friend of mine, Sean Barber, just got hired and we still talk multiple times a week and hang out and uh, just stuff like that's the, those are the things that that make baseball fun is the the times after the game and the locker room. And, you know, they always say, like, you learn you learn how to umpire uh, off the field. You don't you don't learn how to umpire on the field because all the all the learning happens at the bar because you talking about what happened late, earlier that night and yeah. all that stuff. That's the, those are the, those are the fun things. The reactions, you know, you react on the field, but then later on, you're like, how could I have reacted better? Put yourself in better position. Oh, Hey, this happened to me last week or whatever. Uh, those are the, the kind of, uh, you know, chalk talk that, that happens amongst the, amongst the boys. And what I remember from that year is, you know, we looked up to you guys, because you guys weren't, you know, AAA guys or whatever at the time yet. Uh, but you were basically as up for us guys that were just started is we could look at you guys and basically fast forward like two years, two or three years to where we would, we would be. Um, and so it wasn't as big or tall of a task. It was like, okay, these guys were here just a couple of years ago. We want to be where they're at. Let's see what they have for us. And you guys were very gracious. I will say, there was a few guys, I won't name names, but some guys in that position that you and Ben were in, uh, you're very gracious and uh, informative for us. There were other guys that took that moment at, to kind of, I don't know, big league, you talk down a little bit, think they knew it, you know, oh, I know more than these kids, you know, and, and that was few and far between, I will say. So I do want to say thank you just for for being uh, being a good guy, Travis. <laughs> at back that's, in uh, but that's what... You know, that's what I've always tried to preach to guys is just be a good person, be a good guy, because in the end, and, and it's very well known that the guys in the big leagues, if you're filling in, you know, up and down, they want people who are good guys. If you're, you know, if you've got a guy who's on one hand, he's a good umpire, he's a great guy. And then you've got another one who's a good umpire, but he's a, a jerk and they get an option. It's like, okay, we got, you know, Travis Carlson and you got Ben May. Well, Travis is kind of a, a, a jerk but ben's a great guy and he's they're just as they're, you know they can basically interchange ball on the field he's like well give me ben because i want a guy who's a good guy in the locker room i want a good guy who's fun and stuff like that so i think it that's it plays a bigger role than most people actually think that than it does um so you know and i saw like I, I obviously there's those guys that aren't as good a guys and we like you said we won't go into names but they're you know they are few and far between but yes there are many many great guys uh, that i've come across in my years of umpiring uh, pro ball and college baseball, even. Oh yeah. 90, I would say it's 90% uh, great guys and every profession has its a handful of knuckleheads. So, um, you know, one of the fondest memories I have from all my uh, limited four years in pro ball, but was, was that summer, it was the night of the all-star game, MLB all-star game and most minor league uh league shut down so that fans can watch that game on TV. And um, you were from Tampa 
you actually your family, your, your dad, you had us all over. We made the commute over. We had a barbecue. We just uh, hung out all day. We were all happy to not have to work baseball. Uh, your dad busted out a video of him calling a triple play in, in his college game. We ended Absolutely. up some place uh, elsewhere close by. I mean, that was a fun, fun uh, day and evening for me. Yeah. And that was something we got to do quite a bit from my perspective. Um, just because I lived in the area and ha having worked in the Florida State League for two years, I had worked in the Gulf Coast League for you know half a season as well. So I got to spend a lot of time at home, more so than most people ever get in their entire career in, in professional baseball. So I got a lot of time at home. So we did that at quite a, as much as we could, you know, especially with all the teams in the area between Lakeland and Tampa and Dunedin and Clearwater. There was plenty of opportunities for us to get to get to my house. And my parents were always more than willing to want to have us over because you knew they knew that these guys that I was with maybe, you know, didn't get to home, go home during the season, never got to have a home cooked meal and, you know, just sit on a, on a couch or sleep in a regular bed or, or whatever the case may be. They always wanted to try to make him, you know, make them feel like they could be at home. Even when they were at somebody else's house, they try to be very hospitable and just let them, you know, very, just let them be themselves and not be cramped up in a hotel all the time or have to go out, sit on in a restaurant, you know, just come relax. We'll cook you some food and we'll, you know, have a good time. Yeah. Your mom and the spread and then your dad just uh, kept everything flowing. He was, I mean, some people you meet one time, but you remember them forever. I will remember Mr. And Mrs. Carlson uh, forever for that, that one summer evening in uh, 2009 and uh, the other, again, Florida state league guys, that was just a blast. Um, I always ask guys, Travis, uh, I think other people are curious, you know, what got you involved in to uh, professional baseball? Maybe you're, maybe you umpired before that, or maybe you didn't. What exactly was the beginning of your umpiring story? So my, I was just thinking about this the other day when I was, I'm part of a Facebook group and uh, one of the guys I posted a picture and said, you know, starting my 31st year officiating uh, baseball, um basically like asking everybody like what's your what was your first season how many seasons is it for you and I had to start thinking I'm like man went back to when I was 13 years old I, I umpired my first game and my dad was uh president of the little league um that I that I played at and um he was also involved in the umpiring um of, of basically getting all the umpires for the games and whatnot and uh you know he umpired so uh, he had asked me like you want to start like you know I, obviously I was working for french fries and cheeseburgers at the time because it was all you know volunteer that was um, gold back then though when you're a it kid was. I, I, mean, I was like you know I, I could I get to be on the baseball field and then I get to eat free food afterwards I was <laughs> I was okay with that you know because when you know essentially my brother and I were up at the fields all day long because my dad was running the league and so we were up there with him and I was like why not you know I, I'll try it and uh, I, I remember my very first game, it was a coach uh, machine pitch game. And uh, he was like, just put some gear on, get behind the catcher. He's like, you're not going to call balls and strikes, um, but you're going to, you know, just essentially just get to a feeling of having the ball coming at you and the swings and the catcher catching it and stuff like that. And uh, there was there was a play at the plate and I called the kids safe. And this dad went unglued on me. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm wrapped up in the moment. So I'm just, you know, like his berating me. And I actually ejected somebody in my very first game. Oh, wow. So I guess the, the lady who was uh, one of the, the board members was on, on the site as well and, and heard it going on and she ran over to my dad who was on another field. Um, 
and I, I just got this story after the fact and she's like do I need to do you need to go over there you need to go over there and he's like no just let him let him handle it and see how it how it goes down and if essentially like I got to the point where I just told him I said you're gonna have to leave or we'll have to call the police and he eventually got stormed off and wouldn't leave so the police did come after and he like was escorted out of the dugout out of the out of the park and after the game my dad was like well how was it and I was like I'm never umpiring again and uh, he's like well that's not the attitude that have I said well if that's how every game is going to be he's like that's not how it's going to be and uh that was just how it started and uh you know as I got into into high school I started doing you know like on the weekends I started doing the AAU the travel ball stuff and um I volunteered a little bit during the week to get some experience but it was a it was a good gig for for a high school student who could go you know maybe umpire a couple games on a Saturday or even a travel ball you know triple double triple header on Sunday and walk home with a couple hundred 250 bucks uh cash on a weekend you know you were you were rich as a 14 year old if you were pulling in 250 bucks on a weekend and uh so I did that throughout high school and even into college, I was still, you know, playing baseball my first year there. Um, and then uh, still umpiring quite a bit more than that and uh, making a decent amount of money. Um, so that was how I kind of just kept going. I never really, I never even knew that you could become a professional umpire. I didn't know what the process was. Um, somebody had asked me, I was doing a college club baseball tournament um and one of the coaches had approached me after the game and said hey I, you know you did a really good job and uh he's like I was just curious like have you ever thought about going to to professional umpire school and I go no no never never even crossed my mind and you were and, how old uh, probably what's that how old were you probably 22 20 19 19 oh, 20 wow. years old uh and uh, I said, no, I haven't. And uh, so I went online and I like become a professional umpire or whatever. And a book popped up and it was called Rick Roder's Narrowest Door or Baseball's Narrowest Door by Rick Roder. And uh, basically it broke it down like uh, to the statistics of how many people go to umpire school each year and uh, the percentages of the guys that move on to, you know, to P-Buck and then to uh, even from P-Buck into the minor leagues. And I'm like, man, that's, those numbers are not, not great. Um, but I'm kind of one of those people that if, if it's something that, you know, somebody or something tells you that you probably can't do it, like I'm going to try. I, I think in the book, they say you have a better shot of being a Senator or a governor. Maybe it's a governor than yeah, uh, something right. along those lines, just so that people can understand non-baseball people, seriously the chances of becoming a big league ump umpire because most everyone is like oh yeah matt does he's really good he'll he's gonna go to the big leagues and say no 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 that's just how it works anyway yeah. continue. and uh so i read the book and then i decided like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go to umpire school so i worked i worked for a year uh, i worked a full-time job for a year um i was i was cut from the baseball team um in college after my first year and uh i worked full-time for a year to save up the money to go to to go to umpire school. So, um, 2006, I saved, you know, I went to umpire school and I was fortunate enough to finish in the top 25 guys at the class and then went on to P buck and, uh, I got, I actually, it was the year of the strike. So, um, basically they brought us in 
at, at PBUC after the course was over for the evaluations and said, look, in a normal year, you probably have a job. We don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, we're essentially we're sending everybody home with it, with the mindset of like, when we'll call you when this strike is resolved and then we'll go on from there. So having not known that um, I was invited to go work in the Northwoods league, which is the oh. college summer wood bat league um, went there and it was, I worked about 12 games and got called. I was in Ontario um, at the time, actually. And they called me and said, okay, we need you in, need you in Florida in five days. So I was actually, um, I went back to Minnesota. I have family all in Minnesota. Uh, that's my, where my parents are from. So I left Ontario, went to Minneapolis, caught a flight like two days later, and then got home for the league meeting um, in, in the end of June. And that's when it all started. So similar to mine, man, I was uh, not the Northwest, but we were in the Coastal Plain League. So we were in the Carolinas uh, in Virginia, I think. And we got that call and we were thrilled. Me and Jeremy Riggs, Chris Gonzalez, who, you know, the three of us uh-huh. drove from the Carolinas. I, like fan. I, I know I'm surrounded by you people. You people <laughs> I mean, I can't get away from you guys. Oh, I got all these good friends who are 49er fans. Oh, anyway, uh, Gonzo. Yeah, he's uh, I, I watched. I was up there in San Fran, uh, San Jose with him and his uh, wife for the N- a- NFC championship game where they beat Atlanta. Uh, we were at uh, a spot up there and I was, oh man, those people, they were so fired up. That was crazy. But yeah, I had to sit through that. Uh, but I love them. I love them. Anyway, uh, we, we drove down to Florida. We made it for the league meeting. And so we were like, man, here we are. We got some warm up even in this uh, college wood bat league. Yeah. Yep, that was I think it was good experience for me to have like right before going in um, because you had an idea um, of what it was kind of going to be like. And I think even getting into in front of the fans and and stuff like that helped kind of give you uh, a look into what it's going to be like in the future as you start umpiring in front of the fans and stuff like that. Of course, the Northwoods League, that's a little more the fans are a little more. uh, ruckus because they got the the beer batter you know they got the guy if he strikes out it's half price beers for the for the whole next inning or whatever it is so they're you know get really on you if you think they they think you missed a call because you're taking beer away from them (laughs) that is so true and then you come to the gulf coast league which i did as well and it's like you look you're like this is professional baseball we're on spring training fields but this is totally different there's nobody here uh, what was your first experiences with your first pro games? Yeah, so I actually, um, one of my very first games was in Tampa. I started in that division and uh, I was in Tampa. I was on the bases and, you know, like I thought I had a pretty good grasp on on baseball in general, like mm-hmm. anticipating plays because I played for, you know, I started when I was four years old, played all the way into college. And one of the very first plays uh, there's a ground ball with the runner on second base and two outs. And, you know, they, they teach you to like anticipate the play. Right. So as an umpire, like two outs, Sounds you know, good. runner on second, you're going to start moving towards first. As I'm looking over my shoulder, watching this shortstop field, the ball, I realized like, he's not throwing to first and he turns and he chucks it over to third. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are you doing? And I'm way out of position. Luckily he airmailed it up against the fence and I just thought to myself, man, this is professional baseball. 
be ready for anything. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it is crazy, man. Uh, you weren't there too long, I got to imagine, but it had to be fun. Again, to have family around and, and just the ability to, I remember I had my season in the California league, got to go home multiple times and people in different cities, like um, it, it was cool. So was that kind of at least a good start for you to kind of be close to home? Yeah, it, it definitely helped. Um, granted, I was only there for five weeks. So I got mm -hmm. to do a rotation in the central and I went over to the west, the east coast and then down. I was like there for like four days down in the south in Sarasota before I got called up. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good, um, you know, start to the to the career. I think it allowed you to, to get some experience um, in front of with, with the speed of the game, because it's definitely I mean, even if it's the Gulf Coast League, it's still much faster than than high school. And I had never, you know, other than that college uh, club baseball, I never did any I never even did high school um, to this day. I still never umpired a high school game. Um <laughs> So yeah, definitely the speed of the game helped like, help me acclimate myself to the speed of the game before getting into pressure situations per se. What, what was interesting for me with like starting right away was, was kind of the diversity of baseball. Even that first year, I had never seen guys play from the Dominican or from Japan before. And you got guys from Australia, all these different like styles, really, um, even in rookie ball. And I was like, oh man, baseball really is. Uh, an international game and uh, different players, different countries have different styles. So that was kind of one of the first things that, uh, you know, was eye opening to me, the whole infield, you know, speaking Spanish and you're like, what, what are they, you know? So uh, it's just, it was cool really to see just how you're like that. That's where I was like, okay, this is pro ball. Cause we got guys from all over here who are trying to uh, advance and, and take their shot. Um, Travis, you went all the way through the system, double A, triple A. You got to wear the, the big league uniform a little bit. Um, tell me about uh, your career through the minors and kind of some of the good experiences, bad experiences, any funny stories. What do you take from your career in the minor leagues? I learned, you know, I think, like I said, mentioned earlier, the big takeaway for me was the, the friendships, because like I said, even after baseball, there's still people, obviously I have friends who, who are still in the game. I have friends who are not in the game, people that I talk to frequently, um, people that I talk to once a year. Um, obviously, you know, we, you and I hadn't even spoke up until, you know, just recently, you know, I may have commented on a, a poster or something here or there, but I always really get a have, dig at the Rams from you at some point. To, some point. Sometimes to, a little props too. Next to, uh, I, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty humble though when it comes to be, um, my sports teams though, because it's, it's yeah. sports are humbling. They, they will, it will definitely, um, you know, make you look real bad real quick. So I try not to be too bad. Um, Cause I know it's just going to, it's just going to come back to me. Yeah. It comes so, around. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, but the friend, the friendships was a big takeaway for me. Uh, I, I, something I value um, very, very much. And uh, so some experiences, you know, I, I had my ups and downs, you know, like I spent two full seasons in the Florida state league, which maybe years ago uh, before I got in might not have been a big deal. I, you know, guys spent multiple seasons in, in low, the lower levels, but as we, as you know, like even when you got in, like if you spent two years at any level below double a, yeah, it wasn't typically a good sign. 
Yeah. Um, so when I found out that I was going back to the Florida State League um, for my second full, the base of my second season, and then even when I didn't get promoted, because I finished um, at like number 10 um, after my first year, I thought for sure that I was going to get promoted. And then went through the promotions in the beginning of the season and almost all the way to midseason, like nine people got promoted. So I was next to go for like three weeks coming up to the all-star break. It never got promoted. So um, got re-ranked, you know, at the all-star break. Uh, and I think I was number three. So now I'm like, okay, now I'm still three away. And uh, two more people got promoted. So I sat near the end of the season. I sat at number one for the last couple of weeks and it was just pretty much at that point, I just taken, I was, I'm going to finish the season here. So I did, I ended up finishing this so full season there and uh, ended up working the playoffs championship series. I actually, I think to this day, probably I'm, I'm probably the first and only umpire to ever be the crew chief for back-to-back -back championship series, which is probably not something to brag about, um, but it was something that I did. So, um, I was pretty discouraged when I, you know, I kept getting to that point, like, am I going to get over, am I going to get over the, like the, over the hump with this, or am I just going to keep getting pushed back, pushed back? And I was eventually ranked number one, uh, at the end of the season. So I went out to Arizona for instructional league because they knew that I was going to be going to double a, and I got to, that was kind of when it kind of turned around for me. Um, cause I was kind of like in the middle of the road, the entire way, every time we got rankings, whether it be mid season, end of the season, I was pretty much, uh, middle of the pack. And then I got that number one ranking and was knowing I was going to double a, and even after my first season in double a, I was in the, like, I was the highest ranked three man, um, in double a. So, uh, it started to pick up for me. I think that's kind of when I found my groove as an umpire per se. Um, because if you know me, you, you know my 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 personality is very laid back, very calm, not very aggressive, which they sometimes want you to be on the field, right? Uh, which was a very, Same very here, fine man. line. It was a very fine line for me to uh to put that face on when that's not mm. who I am. Mm. Uh so kind of once I learned how to do that was when I I, I started taking those steps. Can I ask, you know, you talked about a little bit there about kind of getting discouraged and, you know, hey, you're on the doorstep to move, then you get moved back in the rankings and, you know, you were there for two years. I, I've, I found, um, again, I was only in it for four years, but I found that through a lot of my friends and everything, some guys really get caught up in movement and rankings and they're like hey i was one now i'm eight oh i'll screw this i'm retiring i think in a way there there are some tests thrown out there to be like let's see how this guy responds i mean i i think there's more off the field worries that we put upon ourselves um there's a lot of mind games that go on and you have to be able to push aside uh th those those frustrations and discouragements because there's other things to worry about so i mean what is your take on that no, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, and I think that's what that's what gets a lot of guys is because they do they worry about a lot of stuff that they can't control. Um, in, in, in retrospect, like I realized, like they were putting me in a position and, and I, you know, I didn't think think about it at the time, but they were doing they were doing me a favor because I don't think that I was ready. Right. Um, 
based on some of the situations and experiences that I had on the field and how, what things I could have done differently. And um, I think it was more or less, they knew what was, they knew what was better for me than I knew what was better for me. Um, and then I, I basically thanked them for that for later, because, you know, when I got to double a, I got put into a situation, you know, my first year I was a three man. Um, so I went through a full season as a three man. Well, my second season, I started as a two man with, um, Jordan Farrell as our low man and Jordan Baker, who was like right on the verge of going to triple a. And what a tall crew you and Jordan Baker, man, right. I don't can't remember uh, how tall Jordan Farrell is, but man, you two giants out there. So three games into the season, Jordan Baker gets promoted to go to, to go to triple a. So here, here I am as a, a just a second year, uh, double a guy with a first year, um, double a guy, I get pushed into the crew chief role um, because they weren't, I thought they were for sure going to move crews around to, to give somebody else um, the crew chief position. Well, Dusty Dellinger, who's basically runs the the whole minor league system now for the umpire side uh, called me. He's like, I'm not moving anybody to your crew. I said, okay. he's like, because I know that you're, he's like, while you may not feel like it, uh, you're ready for this. And I think it's going to be good experience for you um, to be a crew chief. And uh, so I got, you know, I, I say stuck, but I, I was with two first year, I basically have 143 games of double A experience amongst the whole entire crew, which is <laughs> unheard of. Right. Um, and we had our, we had our moments. We had some, uh, some tough spots. Um but I, I truly feel like being essentially thrown in the fire uh, really helped me grow as, as a crew chief, as a leader, as a person, as an umpire, like I, I many different uh, aspects. It definitely changed things for me. Um, and, and it showed because by the end of the season, you know, I got, I got rewarded with um, working the championship series. Um, nice. And I was, I was ranked number three at the end of the year and it was, pushed to AAA after my second season. So I kind of, I made up the year that I, that I spent in the Florida state league um, and not having to spend that typical third season uh, in double a. So like I said, they knew better for me um, than I did. So, you know, I, and I called dusty after the season was over and I was being promoted to AAA. He's like, you know, it's no accident that you're being promoted. You know, you showed why um, your crew, improved tremendously and it was it was nice to hear stuff like that um especially after kind of having doubted myself um you know having to spend that extra year in the florida state league so the you know the validation for the the hard work and going through that and being rewarded was was nice oh definitely imagine if you had gotten so frustrated you walked away or quit you know you wouldn't have had that experience of not just getting to triple a right out right on time basically um but you would have missed kind of basically that validation and that kind of encouragement of hey you can do this and i'm sure that moment itself has helped you out in other areas of your life uh that the you know that you've experienced even outside of umpiring um so man what a what a great story to just kind of stick with it and uh, you never know uh, what's gonna, what's gonna come your way. Um, triple a, uh, finally is the moment where you're like, okay, it's, uh, it's put up or shut up time. It's you're, they're either going to be interested or start looking uh, for other jobs. What was triple a like? Was it kind of everything you would kind of 
thought it would be? It was there extra pressure. What was it like? It was definitely extra pressure because you knew that every game, because at, at getting to that point, um, you knew that almost every game was now on my, you know, minor league baseball TV. So it wasn't like you could get a night off. Like we used to say from, from being seen from the supervisors, you knew that every possibility, you know, there's possibilities you're being watched every single night it may not be in person, but there's video out there of every single game. So the pressure definitely was there. Um, you know, and even at, and after my first season, I got selected to go to Arizona fall league. Um, so that was, that was nice. And then, you know, got to work another season uh, in double A or in triple A. And then, uh, you know, I had friends after my, after my second season, we had a, a lot of the guys that I came up with um, a couple of close friends got their numbers to be uh, called up and stuff like that. And I didn't, after having worked big league spring um, that year was kind of uh, a little discouraging. Um, but, you know, I, I said, it was only my first year in triple A you know, I still got plenty of time. Um, you know, that was 2013. So, you know, I'm only, you know, 32 years old, uh, still young. Right. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was discouraging, but at the same time, like you're in triple A, you're still getting seen every night, like all the time and working, get to work with a bunch of big league guys who come down and the, the, the amount of stuff that I learned, from the guys that I got to work with was unbelievable things that I never thought of because those guys get to work in the big leagues. Right. So they get to pick all the brains of the big league umpires and they just bring a wealth of knowledge. We'd go to, you know, many times I got to work with David Rackley for almost a full season. He was my crew chief. And, you know, then when I got to work with the likes of like uh, Chris Conroy and Mike Esterbrook and guys like that, uh, you know, Chris Conroy was one of the ones, uh, who was instrumental in, in my learning because he would uh, basically go get coffee every morning, you know, Starbucks, Duncan, whatever, and bring the iPad and we'd sit down and we'd pull up plays from all the MLB games from the night before, whether it's plays at second, plays at third, plays at home, you know, talk about positioning, reading plays. And that, and like I mentioned earlier, like that's where you learn how to umpires off the field. Right. Um, yeah. You have plays that happen on the field that you talk about later, but you don't, you don't get a chance to really talk about them mm. on the field. It's, you know, the hour, two hours, three hours after the game that you get to break them down and get other people's perspectives on how you should have taken the play or reacted or said something differently or whatever. Um, and that's just how you, that's how you get better is, is talking to guys, getting other points of view and stuff like that. And it's still to this day, you know, I still do the college baseball thing and we talk about it all the time afterwards it's it, umpiring is a never i mean you you you've, you've umpire you officiate football um it's a never you never stop learning ever no if you if you try to or think you know it all you know there's someone else definitely going to pass you right by because they're hungry and they're learning and you cannot stop learning it just it's just a it's a business where <laughs> it's constant man you got to keep it going uh over the weekend tom brady was flagged uh, for an unsportsmanlike conduct, his first time he was called for it in 22 years. I would say probably not the first time he deserved it, uh, but that was making big news and everything. And I wanted to ask you about, you know, your time in pro ball. You know, you've come across some guys who, you know, maybe like, hey, you can't throw me out, or you know, you do you know who I am? Kind of that attitude. I don't care who someone is. I don't care if they're the greatest quarterback of all time. If you say something inappropriate to an official, 
uh, sorry, you can get flagged or professional baseball. All there is is ejections. Do you have any experiences like that or just uh, any other experiences from the field that kind of stick out to you? Just uh, intense, we'll say interactions. Yeah. So I had a, it was in the Florida State League actually. And um, Joey Votto was, was down rehabbing and uh, I'm working the, I'm working the plate and uh, I call a strike on him and he just kind of looks back doesn't say anything, kind of shakes his head. And I'm like, okay, I, I see that he's reacting, you know, whatever. So that was for strike one. Then strike two comes in. I call another strike. And he kind of just like drops his shoulders and, and kind of like still is holding his bat, but the bat kind of drops and hits the ground. And he's looking back and he's like, that's not a strike in the big leagues. And I was probably having a rough go at the moment, you know, at the time of, the, of that point. I think that was, you know, the second year. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm, I don't care. like. I said, I said, well, this isn't the big leagues, is it? And uh, he, he kind of <laughs> just looked at me like, did he just say that? And, uh, you know, then he swung and missed at the next pitch and, and walked back to the dugout. And he started chirping, from you know, a little bit from the dugout. And, you know, knowing like, and we've had our times where like, you know, you said something that you don't want to put in a report. So you're like, okay, well, I kind of have to let him. <laughs> Kind of have yeah. a lot of fan because now if I say if I eject them, I'm gonna have to put that in the report, and then I'm you know it's not gonna look good. So I was like, you know, I can't. Just, a lot of times, the trial by fire aspect of umpiring at the professional level, anyway, college too, but like you're you you're having to learn what you should say and shouldn't say. Also, it's not just oh, I should have took this angle better. You you get in more uh, situations in pro ball. So you have to learn throughout those years you're in it. Like this is a, I shouldn't have said that that just leads down a different. So there's your experimentation. You were still somewhat young in the game and, uh, yeah, you know, maybe like you knew it, you knew when you said, uh, probably should have said that. Um, and then there's other times where you think, you know, you, you go the other way. You're like, Oh man, that actually worked out pretty well with what I said or whatever. So yeah, uh, to me, those are the challenges. I try to tell friends who are interested. I'm like, dude, it's, it's dealing with other people, especially people that are making a lot more money than you in some cases where you have to be, have an authority figure and it's not always easy and you're learning as you go. Absolutely. And you, like you said, you definitely learn what's what you can and can't say and what you can get away with and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely, you draw that, that line, you toe that line because you have to be careful, but you also want to make sure that you don't get walked over. You have to be able to stand your ground and, and stuff like that. So yeah, you definitely learn as you get older, what you can and can't say. Let me run this by you. I, I, uh, I, I get so tired of announcers and, and people and talking heads who think they know it all. And you see this in baseball more than anything. And there's always the, Oh, he was walking away. How could he throw him out when he was walking away? And so I came up with this. Tell me what you think. You're in a relationship. You, you told me earlier. Um, I, I tell these people, okay, let, I want you to try something. I want you to walk away from your girlfriend or wife and just uh, say something really inappropriate. Call her a really bad name or, uh, or say something. And you tell me how that goes. When, <laughs> and, and you tell her, I said it while I was walking away. I was walking away. How could you get mad at that? And it, it, some people understand it, but yeah, I'm just like, you think he said something nice while he was walking away? We, I know you know, it, uh, how things look or whatever, but still sometimes in baseball, the players know what they're doing too. coaches know. Yes. So, uh, anyway, what do you think of that? It's the, it's the optics that, that give the umpires a bad name. Um, yeah. 
and and the and the players and managers all understand the optics. They know that they are. It's not going to look as bad on them if they're walking away, right? So the players and coaches are going to use that to their advantage, mm. thinking that the umpires are going to be like, "Oh, well, he's walking away. I'm not going to address it." Well, little do they know, and still to this day have not learned that the umpires don't care if it if it's a a, a something that you say is an ejectable offense, they're not just going to not eject you because you're walking away. It's not going to happen. Well, and you have to in some situations because say the catcher is standing next to you and the hitter is walking away and says something. The catcher heard what was said and now he can go tell his buddies in there, hey, this guy will take crap. He, he took, listen to what that guy said to him and he took, it's, there's so much more to managing and policing the game than people realize. It's not just, Oh, you got to have rabbit ears and turn your ears off there. It's no, no, no. If, if you let a little thing go, plus by the time it gets to that point that everyone in the audience can see it's been built up over the course of time. It's not the first time something is happening too. Absolutely. And that's a very good point. You know, the, the whole, well, if John sees that he's saying it and not getting in trouble for it, He's just going to think that he can do it too. So if yeah. I let one person do it, I got to let everybody do it. So I'm not, that's not going to happen. Right. That's a very, very valid point. Yeah. It's just um, the dynamics of it all. Um, you know, civilians will say are never going to understand um, coaches and players. They're kind of on one side. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. There's always going to be that line between officiating um, and the coaches and players it's it it's not always a bad line but they're always going to be that line of like hey um this is how you have to operate and the, hey they got a job to do we got a job to do and for the fans you'll never understand it but uh anyway what what's a pretty crazy scenario heated ejection argument or something you had in the minor leagues that you could share with the audience man there was so so many um <laughs> i i just I had uh, obviously the minor, a lot of the minor league ones are, are tough because, you know, I'd like to tell the whole story and I'd like to be very, very detailed. But as you know, the, a lot Understood. of the stuff is not, uh, not <laughs> podcast appropriate. No problem. No problem. Um, but, you know, I had a, I had a, um, in the forest, I think I had one and uh, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty graphic, but I I almost started laughing because it was one of those things like you didn't expect him to say something like that. And you were just so taken aback that it was just like you wanted to laugh. But if you laughed, yeah. you knew that it was just going to make the matters worse. So I had a, a ball strike ejection and the manager and I had had a previous run in, um, you know, I ejected him the first time. Uh over a fly ball down the right field line and uh there was a runner on third who was tagging and so i had a fair foul down the right field line two man so i had the fair fouls play umpire on the the right field line i had to look you know kind of glance to see the tag at third so once i saw the ball touch the glove i look over and think okay he's good you know comes in scores he comes arguing he's like there's no way you saw there's nobody saw that i said you know joe i said that's I had the best look I could possibly get, you know, I try, I got to see, I got to be able to see the the catch. I still, you know, because just because he touched it, like I still have responsibility. Right. So 
I had to make sure he caught it. And by that time, like, I'm just essentially guessing there's no, <laughs> no good way to do that. Um, so I ended up ejecting him because he just kept arguing. And uh, so fast forward to, you know, later in the year and uh, him and I were having some differences on my, on my strike zone. And he eventually gets ejected from the dugout and he comes out and he's yelling, yelling, yelling. And finally he's like, kiss me, kiss me. I'm like, what? He's like, kiss me. He's like, I like to be kissed when I get effed. And I'm like, oh, oh man, like, <laughs> you want to like, you want to laugh, right? Um, get out so of my, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's stuff like that. I mean, there's many other stories, but that was one of, one of my favorites. Wow. Um, Memorable, just from a story, yeah. from a story perspective, I, there's, you know, a ton that I could tell you. Know, I had probably 30 ejections over my career um the nine years that i was in so i've got stories some of them are yeah do the math on that for those at home that in 140 game season that's roughly three or four a year if you break it down on average i mean uh you know call it you know whatever it's like people think oh they got they just want to eject people it's like no actually it's more work and um, really just you know it's it's a headache and so uh, it's not that many when you break it down. Now, if you have 30 in a season, that's, that's one thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. 140 games a year. Not bad. Paperwork is um, tiring. Oh yes, it does. You, you get the, yeah, the writing it all out. Um, let me ask you, uh, Travis, you know, for most guys, the minor league career comes to an end. Um, you did get to work. Um, I, I think what some spring training or some big league yep. games, how did it all kind of come to an end for you was it was it a difficult time um you know after nine years of doing this thing um to just all of a sudden be done yeah I think uh there was a little bit of the writing on the wall um that they that we like to say uh you saw like you know my last season I didn't get to work in spring training um and then you know I didn't ever I didn't get a number I didn't go back to fall league or anything like that that would have said like hey we're still interested in you um stuff like that so I kind of had a little bit of an idea um, going into that off season uh, before I got the phone call. Obviously, you don't expect it, but you weren't. I mean, kind of were surprised, kind of not really surprised. So when I got the phone call, um, I had actually was working uh, with the company I'm with now. I was working with them, and I got a phone call. You know, like on late October from Dusty, and he's like, you know, I really appreciate your time, and he's like, I'm sorry I had to end this way. He's like, I don't agree with it. Um, but I don't get to make that decision anymore. Uh, so it was tough. Um, fortunately for me, I had a very supportive family, um, friends, a, a company that I worked for, you know, as soon as essentially they found out that I was um, being released, um, they let me, they told me, you know, like, if you want to stay, we definitely would keep you and um, so that was good. Uh, it was tough. And I, even to, even to this day, I don't think people understand, um, why I got released, how, how it all works out and stuff like that. So it, it does kind of yeah. drum up some, some emotions sometimes when they start talking about like, you know, um, you know, you getting released and stuff like that. You know, I understand I've accepted it. I have, and if I can take away, many life experiences and friendships and stuff like that. Like I got a lot out of my career. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not bitter at, at all. You know, like when I got a phone call the other night to, you know, two weeks ago now, I guess or what it was when 
when my good friend Sean Barber called me and let me know that he was getting hired, like I was ecstatic for him, like hundred percent as happy as if I got the phone call, I was that happy for him because that's the kind of friendships that you make. Right. Um, so it was, it was awesome to see somebody else's dreams fulfilled that I got to experience that with. Um, cause it, like, those are the people that you've spent a lot of time with. Like I got to work with Sean, I got to work with Ben, um, you know, so those friendships will never, I'll never forget those friendships ever. It's, it's interesting when you think about it, if you really break it down and you talk to people, it's like how many people in this world really do get an opportunity to pursue a dream in their life. And people could say, well, you didn't make your dream, but the chance, the, the, really the, the, the opportunity to take those steps forward and to pursue a dream, it is a dream knowing it's probably not attainable, controllable, but for, for minor league guys to take that chance to take those steps and pursue something. Uh, I, I, I am just so uh, blown away by how many guys do it and uh, how many guys continue to do it. And like you said, if you could, if, if nine years before you started, someone said, Hey, you can pursue this dream. You're not going to make it, but you're going to have uh, some of the best stories, some of the best friendships that you're going to make in a nine-year period that'll last you a lifetime, uh, would you still do it? And, and I know from my limited experience, I'd say, yes, absolutely. The friends I have all over the country right now, uh, that was worth every second of it. Yeah, and absolutely. That's a big part of it, um, the friendships. Because like I said, I still talk to a ton of guys that I worked with or that I met through the game. Um, but on top of that, you know, going going into the game, I was a very, very reserved, very – um, uh, I wasn't, I, I didn't have much experience in the real world and in life, um, le- leading up to that point, but that experience in professional baseball, being out on the road on your own and having to deal with people and, you know, talk to people who you wouldn't normally talk to, you know, like uh, between hotels and general managers and players and coaches and, other people that you meet in the, in restaurants or just in general, like people you have to interact with you grow um, up fast. That, you, that you're essentially forced to interact with. They, they you grow up so quickly because mm-hmm. at 21 years old, you know, most people are still in college and uh, going through that phase of their life at that, at that time. Um, there's just so much that I learned throughout the, you know, like I wouldn't going into like umpire school and professional baseball. I wouldn't just, speak to random strangers like on my own right <laughs> um that's just not who I was I would speak to you if it was if it was an interaction that I was brought into or whatever but I wouldn't just you know sitting at the bar or at a restaurant or whatever just start talking to somebody over something yeah. I saw on the tv or whatever but now I could talk to anybody like with no problems because of all the interactions and the people and the personalities that I've had to deal with over the years um, even in the college baseball now, like it's my, the being personable with everybody that you deal with, it, it makes a huge difference. And it should be common sense, but to a lot of people, it isn't. And a lot of people who haven't had the experiences of being in pro ball and uh, just umpiring in general. Yeah. You do need to grow, you grow up fast and you learn how to treat people uh, the way they should be treated, the way you'd want to be treated. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
hundred percent agree on that. Talk to me. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, baseball already, but we'll get into some football here in a minute. Uh, t- talk to me about college baseball and kind of making that change from pro ball to college ball. Did you know you wanted to keep pump iron? Did you take time off? Um, you work in the ACC, the SEC conference USA. Now, I mean, did other guys encourage you to come along? What was that transition like? Um, so even getting released in that, you know, that fall before, um, I jumped right into college. Um, I'd never done it while I was still in pro ball. Like some guys would do, you know, a little bit before spring training and whatnot. I never did that. Um, but I did jump right in, um, in 2015 with my first season, um, didn't get much into conference baseball until just a couple of years ago. Um, just cause having a family and, and working a full-time job, like I didn't feel like it was fair to, uh, you know, leave every weekend. Um, especially after having been gone for six months uh, of the previous year and stuff like that. So I did what I could locally, um, where I could still come home every night after the game, um, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I did, I got right into it my next, that next season. So 2015 was my first year, uh, you know, went to, you know, 2016, 17, 18, um, 19 was, we umpired like 19 was good. The 20 season got shortened, like, oh yeah, two weeks in and then they canceled the rest of the year. Um, so I didn't really get much in 20. And then last year we were back back to a full season, essentially, um, started, I started conference baseball. I was supposed to have a, a, a decent schedule, um, four or five weekends in 2020, um, lost those due to the pandemic. Um, but last year I was able to work a full schedule, uh, had, you know, three weekends in the, in the conference USA handful in the ACC, some non-conference stuff. And then I was actually got to work, uh, the conference USA tournament, um, last year so uh schedule looks much better this year um working my way up you know getting to be the have the, the the better schedules and stuff like that so it's exciting well i think you 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 know you need more experience there travis you, you need some more experience uh nine years of uh, pro ball wasn't quite enough but uh i said that not you uh yeah, but that was, uh, well, that was uh that was one of the things that the uh the local the the guy who assigns in in florida for all the the junior colleges and the, the d2s and and the non-conference stuff around the state he called me he's like he warned me he's like in 2015, my first year, he's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to keep you on the JUCO and the D2 field to see how you handle the college game and stuff like that. And I was just like, what? And this is coming. And I was just out. It was another one of those, like, I just got off the AAA field for, yeah. you know, three years. I worked big league spring. I worked Arizona fall league. I don't know that I could be any more qualified to work <laughs> on this fields. Right. Um, but I don't terrified. I'm not one. I'm not one to make waves. So I took my schedule. I, I worked it. Um, and was able to get some, some D one stuff, uh, the next year. Uh, but trans transitioning to the college game is tough because I can't, you can't talk to them the same way that you can talk to them in professional baseball. They get their feelings hurt. Uh, and they don't want umpires talking back per se. In, in college baseball, which was, it was, and I was pretty good in pro ball. You knew what you could and couldn't say. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have an issue on that end. Like I knew like in college baseball, basically you just got to kind of go with the flow, keep your mouth shut and you'll move up. Right. So that's what I did. 
so as, as I, you know, I progressed over the next few years, able to build my schedule better, make some more money and stuff like that. Um, I think I started to understand how much money there was to be made. Yeah. In college baseball. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I view it as that, but I also do enjoy, I enjoy the, it's, it's still staying around the brotherhood. That's a big thing. You know, I look at, you still forward, see guys well, that you know, right. Every now right. and a few weeks, Hey, I'm working with so-and-so who was, you know, like we That's had trained, traded texts earlier this week and you mentioned that you were, you had been roommates with Mike Jarbo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, so I actually, um, going to work with him, uh, either, I think at Wake Forest, uh, mm-hmm. near the end of the year, I work with, with Mike, we have a series together. It's funny because one of the very first umpire masks I ever bought, I bought from Mike off of eBay. Um, no he was kidding. selling, he was selling a mask and, and, um, had a little conversation and found out he was a minor league umpire this is before i knew i was going to become a minor league umpire so i thought it was kind of cool that i was you know talking with with somebody like that uh so it'll be it'll be cool to to see him again well i actually never even met him in person but i'll be able to you know i'll probably bring that story up whenever i well i lived with him with for two and a half years it was a nightmare travis it was no it's kidding it was good times uh two and a half oh man actually Four and a half. Oh my goodness. Sorry, Mike. Uh, for, for those umpires listening out there, a commercial for my good friend. Uh, he is in the mask selling business once again. So any information, any of your people listen to this, tra- Travis, um, you know, youth ball guys, whatever, high school guys, uh, reach out. Uh, you know, we'll get some information to him. He's got some uh, good masks he's selling, we'll say. Um, so anyway, yeah, good old Mike. It's funny the connections that you have. Oh, I, oh, I know so-and-so, you know, so-and-so, Hey, I've never met you, but he says you're a good guy. It's like all that kind of, uh, connections and brotherhood, as you, as you say, that is, it, it really is special. Well, other than, well, I, I guess we've already covered that. I was going to say other than the money, um, what do you see kind of the challenges in, in college ball, but you already kind of touched on that. Um, you want to keep going, keep pursuing it just cause it is, you have this skill, right. That you want to keep doing that you have, yeah. that you did. And, you know? Yeah, I mean, aside from the money, and I think obviously there's a there's a a level of you have you have to enjoy it, but you also kind of need to get something out of it, especially at this stage in your life. Like, yeah, there's got to be a monetary number that you got to get to make it make sense for you. Um, given the limited time that we have with friends and family and stuff like that, like. I'm not, I'm surely not going to spend four days away a week for free. Like I can't, I just, it's not, yes, the money, the supplemental income is very, very nice. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to rely on it to survive. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it as uh, yes, I'm making good money, but I'm also getting to umpire at, at my point in my career, the highest level of baseball that I can work. I do have a goal to work in the college world series one day. Um, uh, you know, and then I would like to work to a certain point uh, where the money becomes kind of a moot point, like I, where I don't need it any, like I don't need it per se, but it's nice to have. It's a supplemental, yeah, something that gives you the ability to do some stuff that you wouldn't only get to do, um, stuff like that, you know, stuff for the kids and and vacations and whatnot. So I'm fortunate enough to have a great job who allows me to, you know, still do some traveling for baseball and, and work remotely a day or so. 
from it. So that's that's a nice thing to have as well. And then I obviously have my side my side business as well. So um, just kind of hustling, trying to make it while I can, and and still continue because I still love umpiring. I really do. I still enjoy being on the field, honing that craft, learning still, uh, and then the the brotherhood also helps make it tolerant as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well said. I, I stepped away, um, you know, after the 2020 season. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know, times I miss it. But for the most part, it's a different chapter in my life. And I'm kind of going on. But I know why I know why guys do it. I know why I did it for so long. There's just it's inside you. And you just, um, you just want to keep doing it. So uh, we've chatted a lot about baseball here. We'll kind of move on uh, for now and shots go back to football. Uh, you know, I am surrounded, Travis. Uh, in Southern California, surrounded by San Francisco 49er fans. They're everywhere. It's an epidemic. Uh, I got to ask you, as someone who's from Florida, of all places, a Florida San Francisco 49er fan, talk to me about the allegiance. I'm actually not from Florida. Um, Okay. I was born in California, actually. Oh. Um, So I was born... Lancaster, right? In Lancaster, correct. So... Growing up, my father was is still a huge Minnesota Vikings fan, and uh, because it was so long ago, like I don't remember it ever happening, right? So, basically, from what I'm being told from my mother and my father, that it, they tried to get me to be a Vikings fan, I said no. <laughs> my dad's like, "Well, you you got to pick somebody." So he gave me like, he told me like, you know, you're from California, there's the 49ers and there's so-and-so. And so I just picked the 49ers. I was four, like four years old at the time, like had no idea about football, you know, nothing of that nature. So, and, you know, cause I get beat up all the time. Um, only when they're good, of course, because if they're bad, like nobody cares that I'm a 49ers fan, but you know, when they're good, they're like, why are you 49ers? You live in Tampa, this and that. I said, well, I'm from California, <laughs> you know? Oh, you need to root for your hometown team. I said, I've been a 49ers fan since I was like four years old. I said, I got pictures in pajamas falling asleep with my hands in popcorn to prove it. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, th- it's not just a revelation that came about, you know, yeah. just in the last couple of years. Like I've have pictures of being a 49ers fan that date back, you know, way back. Um, you know, I had the jerseys in, in elementary and middle school, the reversible Steve Young jersey, the Jerry Rice. Like I have jerseys to prove it like it's not just a a, a recent thing so uh yeah I I do get I I get ribbed quite a bit for being a 49ers fan living in you know the Tampa Bay area and you know oh you're just a fan because they're good and I said I was a fan when I had to deal with you know the Mike Tomsula and the Mike Singletary's and, and, and Mike Nolan's <laughs> like when we were terrible like I was a fan then you didn't guys they weren't beating me up at that time yeah so um <laughs> living it you know being in Tampa is tough uh especially recently you know with them winning the Super Bowl so I get beat up about you know oh we won one more recently than you guys and you know I don't yeah I will use the argument like well we still got five to year two right yeah um but it's tough because like the last one was in 1994. So it's, yeah. like, it's hard to use that argument because it's getting to the point now where. It's so help me with that. That's, so that's, that's what trophy. I say. I say often about like cowboy fans who have been irrelevant. In my opinion, the, the Niners have been relevant. They've been to two Super Bowls. 
the 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 Cowboys, America's team, which drives me nuts. They haven't won a well, they win four playoff games in almost 30 years. Like yeah. haven't been in a championship game. Uh, I've had some awful years and they're all well, five Super Bowls. It's like, who cares? Or is it five? Yeah. Whatever it is. It's yeah, like, it's who cares? Navy used to be good in football too, win national yeah. championships, you know? So I'm all about recent relevance and the Niners have had some rough years. I understand, but still they've been in the mix. It's pain. It's painful for me. Uh, but Anyway, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, okay. Uh, of all the stories I've heard, I guess I'll allow that one. Born and okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Four years old. Just may. Oh, I'll choose that team. Interesting. Not it's bad. just, I think it was one of those, like, I wanted to be defiant. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a Vikings fan because my dad was. I wanted to be different. I wanted to have my own team. <laughs> um, and my brother, my brother didn't, my brother didn't follow that same road. He chose the Vikings as well. And I think he's probably probably wishes he would have chose somebody else because they've had a he's him and my dad have been tortured for many many years you know um yeah well they've were been, you they've been what about sports. that what was it the the minnesota miracle i mean were you guys watching that game together by chance i mean i gotta imagine they went nuts for that one i don't think we were watching it together but i think near the end of the game i think we got on facetime and i was watching him when they when it happened and the berserk absolutely berserk my brother <laughs> was a fanatic he just went just crazy um <laughs> just it was kind of just like the other night when uh when we robbie gold was lining up to kick that field goal i called my brother on because they were watching the game and we were um texting back and forth as the game was going on and as soon as it got down to the point where they had just uh debo ran and uh they got that first down uh to set up the field goal for, for Robbie gold. I called my brother and I, as I, it's like, it's ringing, it's ringing, it's ringing. And he wouldn't answer. So like, I didn't, I, as soon as it, like the play was getting ready to start, I kind of like stopped paying attention and the ball was kicked and it goes in. And I like threw my phone and I like, I hear him and now like it's on the couch or something. And I hear him and he's like laughing. And I'm just jumping around, you know, all over the couch and yelling and hooting and hollering. Cause I'm so jacked because we just beat the Packers and Lambo and, <laughs> You know, after the way that the game had transpired, um, I got on there and, you know, he's like all he's like just blown away, like how that just happened. And I think we had a lot of those moments, uh, him and I, where, you know, we're trading text messages or FaceTime because our team either blew it or won it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. That block punt, you must have jumped through the roof when you saw that block punt with four minutes. I was I was just about like almost wind out of my sails like you know was definitely not having very good feelings about the game uh but yeah that was a a big big change of events there and that was when I was like okay all right we're I still had the the fan aspect in the back of my head like they're gonna break my heart still like it's still gonna I'm still gonna get (laughs) let down so like I'm not gonna get too high here right I know you've been there, so it's why do we do this to ourselves? You exactly. Know, I, you know, every like, time I texted a, a friend of mine who's a Cowboys fan, uh, you know, I, we were trading some messages back and forth before the the Cowboys game, and uh, I texted him. I said, "Are you as nervous as me?" He's like, "No, not really." Why? I said, "Man, I said I, said, I feel like every time the 49ers play." I feel like I'm going to lose everything I own if they lose the game. Like, that's how nervous I get. Like, that's how my stomach gets, like, so turned up when they got – I have nothing – I have zero wagered on the game, but it feels like I will lose everything if they don't win. We are we are just uh, 
like-minded uh spirits definitely oh my goodness yeah we are the same i mean those three hours i'm just i'm a, I'm a mess i'm a wreck and, and yeah. i've watched some bad rams football for years for me travis they come back in 2016 i was a kid i was nine years old went to games with my dad all the time and they left and it was like well who are you gonna root for and i was like well they're still the rams and then for them to come home was enough for me that second year they go to the playoffs and the super bowl in 2018 I mean, uh, in the mix now, I mean, for them to be good, as you're well aware, you enjoy the good years or the good moments because <laughs> it can change real fast. Yeah, we don't all get to be Patriots fans where they win, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> handfuls in 15 years. And, and, and to think about it, I, I thought about this last week. I'm like, you know what? As bad as the Rams have been or as bad as the Cowboys or the Niners or whoever, however many bad stretches they've had, can you imagine – being a Bengals fan, not getting a playoff win for 31 years. I mean, you're almost your entire life. And then just to have it happen, God bless those people. I saw, uh, I saw a meme the other day, which kind of made me laugh because it was right after the Bengals won the first game that they, the first wild card game. Uh, it was, uh, it said, uh, nobody had before this weekend, nobody had ever, sent a text message about the Bengals winning a playoff game. <laughs> I thought, man, that's a long time. Oh, because <laughs> I think it was like 19, like 1997 or 98 since the Bengals had won the game, like a, a playoff game. And then the first text message wasn't sent until like 1999. Yeah, it was like a year. So later <laughs> it was crazy how many years had gone by. It was just, yeah, that, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I mean, it's, it's rough here. And I mean, LA, the Rams have had a fan base here. Um, you know, LA's first pro team. I know I always remind people that and people are like, well, they're from Cleveland. I'm like, your Lakers are from Minneapolis. Your Dodgers are from Brooklyn. Don't give me that. I'll yeah. put holes in arguments all day. So uh, I've seen all these 49er flags around here. I'm like, you guys are driving me crazy. The Dodger fans with the uh, 49er jerseys. So uh, I, I respect those from the Bay Area. My good friend, Chris, I respect your your story. Uh, hate that team, drives me nuts. But hey, it, if we didn't love our team so much, we wouldn't hate others. There's, there's something there, right? Some, That's some right. I, don't, I mean, I don't hate the Rams nearly as much as I hate the Seahawks, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just because I think along the same lines as you, like the Seahawks have kind of had our numbers over the last uh you know Isn't seven eight years or so they got your number uh you got the rams number the cardinals seem to get the seahawks i mean it's just everybody matches up it's just like you you forget sometimes that they're professional millionaires on that side of the field and coaches you know nothing's rigged it's just it's it's pro- the best athletes in the world's competing anything can happen the, the jags beat the bills this year i mean anything's happening yeah i was just you know, back to like in the Seahawks thing, I got as soon as like I saw there, you know, near the end of the season there, they were going to finish whatever it was, six and six and 11 or seven and 10, whatever they finished. Like I thought for sure, you know, especially with all the rumors that Russell Wilson wants to be traded and, you know, the, the differences between Pete Carroll and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was thinking that for sure that Pete Carroll was going to be fired. Yeah, and that Russell Wilson was going to be shipped out of Seattle. And I was like, all would be right in my mind if Pete Carroll left the Seahawks and they traded Russell Wilson. Like, I, I would be so happy. And neither one. I mean, to this point, I mean, I don't think Pete Carroll's going anywhere at this point. They would have done it already. But not to say that you know Russell Wilson might not still be traded. 
but I would be ecstatic to get him out of the division. Yeah, the Rams have done okay with him. Um, they seem to get, pro- but he's running around for his life. He looks exa- exhausted after games. But yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd feel better if he goes to New Orleans or Chicago or wherever um, that, that they go into this rebuild. That would be nice. Um, oh man, yeah. What Russell Wilson? Ugh. Yeah, the whole NFC West. The NFC West. I'm sorry, hands down, best division in football. This Absolutely. Year. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You're looking at. Oh, you can play the Cardinals this week. They play the Niners. Are you kidding me? Like it was yeah. every week. Twice, uh, two games a year, you're just like, oh my, how you can win any games? Yeah, you re- like people don't realize, like, the f- from the 49ers standpoint this year, we were two and four in the division. Uh, you know, we got beat by, I know who those two wins were. <laughs> <laughs> we got beat by the Rams or the uh, the Cardinals backups. You know, we got beat by, you know, Seattle, where we should have won both games easily. This is frustrating because like one, like, you know, once you play a division opponent, like all bets are off. Like it's just anything can happen in either of those games. Uh, so it's it's tough, but uh yeah, they definitely are the best division in football. I, I agree. I grew up, I was in the middle of kind of that 17 games in a row that the Niners were just putting it on the Rams. So that, you know, I think it was it started in the 80s, maybe gone 80s, 90s whatever, or all of the nineties, but then uh, that finally ended Rams have had some wins. Um, you know, it's kind of gone back and forth for a while. Rams had a stretch here a few years ago, but it's currently six in a row for the Niners over the Rams. Uh, for those keeping track at home, that's three year, three years sweeps in a row this year, a bloodbath on Monday night. And then, uh, that last game of the year was a playoff up seven, game up 17, nothing. 17, nothing leading. I'm going keep scoring, keep scoring. First loss ever, McVay's trail, uh, led at halftime. Yeah, 45-0. Um, oh, 45-1 sounds a lot no, worse. Uh, well, that, th- first of all, I don't even know where to start. This, it, this, this frustration, Travis, it, it just goes so deep with this, this 49er team. First of all, I don't care if it's the Coliseum, Anaheim Stadium, SoFi Stadium, the Red Nation comes out and floods the, uh, the arena. Uh, this is a... LA is a second home to the Niners. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, like the Rams came out with the, the policy, like, oh, oh, if you only have a Los Angeles area code that you're going to be able to buy tickets or zip code or whatever. I'm thinking to myself, there's plenty of 49ers fans in LA. Like it's not That's gonna... where they all come from. They don't come from I, the I read something the other day too, that uh, their ticket sales are, are run through PayPal, which hides billing addresses. So you can't even... You can't even uh, go off of that because you don't even know what my billing address is. So it's like, maybe they're, I don't know if they didn't think about that or whatever, but yeah, I, I don't I have no doubt that it's going to be, you know, not if it, because of the, uh, the amount of attention that's being brought to it. I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was in week uh, 18, but I don't think there's going to be any shortage of 49ers fans. No, there never is. Unfortunately, it's, it's 49er fans, fans are surplus everywhere. And uh, it's I have just, so I mean, many. And, and it might be, you know, like one of those, you know, like when people talk about, I'm not saying the 49ers are America's team, but I think because it's such a storied franchise that there is a, a large fan base wherever you go. Right. Um, it just, and they travel well, people will travel to see their team wherever they, wherever they go. And the fact that it's so close, I mean, San Francisco and, and LA are not far. So it's not, 
not going to be a problem. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am definitely. I know you probably have a different. You probably think, oh, the 49ers own the Rams and this and that. But, you know, and you talk about anytime you play a team three times in a year, especially beating them, you know, two times the way that they have, you almost, as, as on my side, you almost have already told yourself, like, we're going to get beat. Like, it's, <laughs> it's inevitable because, like, it's very tough to, to beat somebody that three times in a season. It's only happened, I think, from what I've read, like, I think it's happened three times. Wow. Well, we'll see. I am, I am the, the most skeptical. The, two, the, the three of those teams each have went on to win the Super Bowl. So if it does happen, I feel pretty good about the chances, I suppose. Well, I'll say this, whoever comes out of this game, basically the Rams, you know, Rams win. It's in their stadium. And then um, outside of Santa Clara, this couldn't probably not a, not a second, uh, second place stadium really for, 49er fans to play back-to-back weeks in the same stadium. I mean, that's pretty cool, pretty unprecedented. I mean, this stadium in LA is, is something else. I, I think it's awesome. Not only the Super Bowl's here, but the NFC championship game is here. That's just uh, so many storylines. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Rams somehow went uh, to the Super Bowl, they would be the second consecutive team to play in their home stadium. That is nuts that it could happen in back-to-back years. I know that the Vikings were close not too long ago when they played yep. the Eagles uh, for for um, Tampa Bay last year to do it. I mean, uh, it's pretty just eerie and weird after fifty, you know, five years, fifty-five years that it hasn't happened. Hey, I got to ask you real quick about Tampa Bay sports in general. You say you don't follow really the other sports, but I mean, Tampa Bay last year. Uh, whatever it was, year and a half or so, Tampa Bay became like title town with the Buccaneers. Champa, they call it Champa Bay. Uh, Champa Bay, man. Um, <laughs> the yeah, no, I do. I do follow hockey um, because we moved nice. here. We moved to Tampa, the Tampa area, um, right when the Lightning became a franchise in Tampa. Um, so we just uh, basically became a fan of the Lightning just because you know we moved here. They became a hockey. We were a northern Minnesota um roots um so yeah having a hockey team something we had followed grew up around hockey uh it was cool to have them uh as a a team there so we do follow them uh very closely go to some games stuff like that so that that's been fun for sure you know back-to-back cups and possibly i mean this year they're they're pretty good uh you know possibly make a run at at, at a three-peat which would be crazy and then you had, you know, obviously being an umpire, I don't follow, I don't have a favorite team in baseball, but yes, they, they, you know, went to the world series, uh, won the division this past year. Um, so, and then the Bucks obviously won and they're, they've been pretty good. So yeah, the, the Tampa sports fans have been pretty, you know, especially the ones who are all of, you know, fans of all three, they're all, uh, they've, they've had a pretty good run here. Well, and it's, and it's no offense by any means, but like, you didn't, you know, you didn't think of Tampa Bay as like this big sports Mecca. Uh, the Rays were awful for so many years. Bucks had some pretty good years uh, after they got rid of those uh, creamsicle uniforms and then all the, the lightning, man. I mean, but yeah, to have all that in one city at once has been pretty awesome. You look at, I mean, LA really um, the, I don't like the Lakers anymore, but the Lakers, uh, the Dodgers, and now the Rams are in the hunt. I mean, it's a similar thing, but you kind of expect that from the, we'll call them big cities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Champa Bay, Champa Bay. I like that. I was happy to see them. Maybe we'll see the Kings and the lightning Stanley cup finals. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, Colorado looks pretty good though. So it's, uh, you know, have to see how that goes. But once you get to the playoffs, man, it's uh, anything that yeah. seed like the Kings yeah. did in uh, 20, 2012. I mean, it's I mean just... you look at the lightning, the lightning two years ago, um, before they went on their run the next season, you know, they were the number one, they were the best team in the league all year. And then they, yeah. got, they got swept, like not even close games, like absolutely beat down in the first round, swept out by Columbus. And everybody's like, what just happened? <laughs> How did the team with the best record in the NHL in years get absolutely steamrolled? But that's what can happen. I think hockey, unlike any other sport, is that way. You know, one through eight can beat each other and a seven game series or you know hockey's crazy i love that sport just because of the 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 lunacy to it all um football's great because it's one game one one game and you're out um so uh, yeah tampa bay sports la sports is alive and well uh what are you thinking for this sunday i mean what does your heart tell you what does your head tell you um i'll tell you this jimmy g gets a lot of grief he seems to make a couple of good throws late when it matters. And Debo Samuel to me is the scariest player in all the league. And uh, Bosa and that, and that front uh, four scares me. So other than that, I think the Rams have a good shot. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, um, just from a fan's perspective, like I I'm, I'm nervous because it's a big game and the, you know, the 49ers have had the Rams number and stuff like that. Um, but Based on the style that the 49ers play, I think, you know, people are calling, like I hear some people talking about, oh, the Rams are going to blow them out. Like, I don't, I don't see a blowout happening. I just, I don't, I know that they went up 17, nothing. Um, but just the style of football, you can get after the quarterback with four, with four guys, like they're, they rarely ever blitz. And I, I think that's going to be a big thing to look at because 49ers are one of the lowest blitzing teams um, and I don't see them blitzing much at all because Stafford does so well against the blitz. They're just going to use the front four to, to hopefully get after him and put him into some situations where, um, you know, he's got to make some plays. And I think that's what kept, uh, you know, LA in the game last week is that, you know, Stafford's always kind of had that Achilles heel of, of making that one big mistake that kind of is the dagger. And he didn't make that mistake um, last weekend. He actually made the big play, which I think he's not been really known for um, in his career. So I think that, you know, and I've always had much respect for Matt Stafford. Uh, He's always played the game the right way. Um, Mm, He's never, you know, never been a a bad guy per se. You've always kind of rooted for him because he's, you know, he's put up some huge numbers and had to play in some pretty bad situations. So, you know, I, I do appreciate for him, like, you know, being in a good situation with, you know, those guys around him that, you know, the Cooper cup and, you know, stuff, guys like that. And uh, so I, you know, if, if he did, you know, obviously I'd have to root for the Rams if they, if they beat the 49ers, I'd have to root for them because especially for Stafford, like, I think that would be for him, that would be the, the, you know, the moment that he finally gets to, to be the, the guy and, you know, everybody always so many, so many years blame Stafford for the lion's troubles when like, come on, man, like you're lucky. You there's, even a reason, there's a reason Barry Sanders retired early. There's a reason Calvin Johnson retired early. Like <laughs> it, the lions just don't have a knack for not being good. 
it's so it, it was it's a uh, yeah I hate to have you know, obviously we've been pretty lucky to be successful against him but you know when he came to the division I'm like man we got Kyler Murray Russell Wilson <laughs> and Matt Stafford to go against six times a year like this is just awesome right yeah, this is nuts what what are your thoughts on Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup Cooper Cup is so good um I think he's just he's such a humble guy that he doesn't think that he's ever uh like viewed as like being this big time player right so he just plays the game the right way he he goes about it he does his job um I think he go I think he tries to just be very technical with his with his position and I think that's made him a lot of had him have a lot of success he doesn't try to do too much takes what he can get obviously he's got a guy who can get him the ball um and he speaks volumes. Like they got the guy that led the triple, that had the triple crown this year in, in, in all the receiving categories. So I think that says a lot about him. Um, Aaron Donald, I'd laugh a lot of times because, and, I, and I'm sure it's just mind games, but every, you know, anytime anybody ever, and I think it's become like a, a, a rhetorical question because, you know, I think anytime they play the 49ers, they always ask like, uh, what'd you think about Debo Samuel or whatever? And he's like, who? And uh, it's it's funny because I feel like Debo's torched them four games in a row now. Yeah. So like for him to for him to be, I think it's more just like I'm not gonna make it any way bigger of a deal than it already is because you guys are already making it a big deal. So like I don't need to fuel the fire. But Aaron Donald, obviously, seven time All Pro, um, the guy's an animal, um, and a lot of respect for him as well. Uh, and I think just a lot. It, I've always had my issues with OBJ just because. Same he man. is that type of prima donna player, which I don't I just go out and play the game the right way, right? If you're good, you're good. Like look at Cooper Cup. Like he's not flashy. He doesn't need to be this, you know, jerk or whatever. And like I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Like so but this, Donald's the same way. He just he goes, plays the game the right way, and uh he's good at it, right? Um so, you know, I definitely have respect for guys like that. You know, the guys, you know, especially in, in baseball, you have the guys who play the game the right way, who who aren't these big flashy guys, you know, the Mike Trouts and the Derek Jeters and stuff like that. Guys who even respect the officials and play the game the right way, respect the other players. They don't have beef with anybody else. You know, like Tom Brady, you know, got his first personal foul in 22 years. Like Derek Jeter never got ejected from a game in his entire career. Um so you, you have to have respect for guys who are very successful, but they also do it the right way. Big time. No, absolutely. Um, that's why some of my favorite players are that way, not just on the Rams, but throughout the league. You're like, man, the guy just seems humble. Uh, humility just does it, does it all the right way. So um, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo? Most 49er fans I know, they're so frustrated with this guy. And I'm like, yeah, he makes some poor throws, but he makes some great ones too. And his record really speaks for itself in the postseason. I mean, I don't know. They drafted Trey Lance this year. I mean, is he going to be around Garoppolo? Uh, I mean, if he, if he goes to two Super Bowls in what, three years, you're really going to move on from this guy? It's maddening because he makes those rookie throws sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And from a from a fan's perspective, you're like, how do you continue to make these throws? <laughs> and then, you know, you go and, and you get the ball in sub-zero weather 
and you make some big time throws, you get the ball in your playmaker's hand. Yeah, he didn't throw the ball 34 yards downfield. He didn't, you know, elude a bunch of guys to make a pass or whatever, but he does make some big throws in those key moments and he wins games, right? He's his record, his postseason record is four and one. His career as a, a, a starting quarterback is 33 or 34 and 14. So the guy wins football games. Yeah. You know, like they, people bring up the playoffs two years ago where, you know, he threw eight passes against Green Bay. And then, you know, the week before he threw like 12 against Minnesota and they ran for a thousand yards, whatever it was. I mean, it and was he outplayed crazy. Mahomes for three quarters. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the defense kind of gave up a couple plays and it kind of just turned it around. Um, but I feel I, I, people- I feel feel good with him back there. Like I, I, you know, and people, I almost hope that he throws the interception on the first play of the game because his <laughs> MO, his MO is once he makes that mistake, he becomes this like elite quarterback. It's crazy. Like I've seen it. Like he makes a big mistake and from there impeccable, which is just crazy to me. It's like, you got to have your back against the wall before you can play. I don't, I don't get it. It's just so, um, maybe you get looser. I don't know. Like, Oh, I can't right. like, make another maybe mistake. Like, oh, I, now I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people gave him a rap, you know, two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl because he wasn't the, you know, he didn't carry the team. Well, what about when they played the saints and he threw for 425 yards or, yeah, you know, like the guy threw for nearly 4,000 yards, had the third most yards in franchise history and threw for 27 and 12 interceptions, I think, but he had like a nearly a 70% completion percentage. It just wins when he's games. healthy. When he's healthy, I don't think there's any doubt he's the 49ers guy and why they drafted someone. So high, I don't know. I'll say this with all the franchises that are still searching for that quarterback. Uh, I think a lot of teams would take Jimmy Garoppolo today than uh, than not that would pass on him. So oh, I can think of a handful right away <laughs> that would that would offer up minimum second round pick um, to get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, you look at Denver. Um, obviously, you got the Bears and the Jets who drafted a guy, but you've got. Um, I mean, the the Giants got Daniel Jones, but you're just like, I don't know if that's the answer there. Uh, Carolina, New Orleans um uh, even maybe Atlanta I mean I know you got Matt Ryan but at the same time like he's near in the he's near in the end of the road too yeah it's about time um, well I'll, I'll say man you know uh I, I see two very similar teams here in the Rams and 49ers very good up front defensively um 49ers run game I would give an edge to versus the Rams but the Rams when they get it get the run going they look pretty good uh Stafford probably a better deep ball thrower uh, but Jimmy G just kind of picks you apart. I mean, Shanahan, it's McVay. Shanahan kind of knows, uh, has had McVay's number here. I mean, these are two very evenly, very similar teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, from the quarterback perspective, but I need to go back to your question, like why, like, you know, they drafted mm-hmm. Trey Lance. And I think it was, the, I think it is the the two things, like not maybe not on Stafford's side, making plays with his legs, but the big arm, right? Like nobody, right right now, the, the Rams are not worried about Garoppolo beating them over the top. They're just not. They're not, they're not thinking that, you know, Ayuk is going to run, you know, a go route and Garoppolo is going to beat him with a 55, 60-yard bomb. That's not going to happen. Um, so I think that, that plays into 
why they they drafted Trey Lance, uh, the big arm. And then Garoppolo just has zero, zero escape ability. Like, <laughs> you get a hand on him, he's pretty much done, right? Yeah. So you got that those two things right there. Plus, you're not designing runs with Garoppolo. You know, you look at like a guy like Josh Allen, who's a he's a passer first. But you can also, if you got third and one, third and two, like you can design a run for Trey Lance to get the to get the first down, or you know, even on a first and you know, or a, a second and five, or a second and six to to get you you know three or four yards to get you a third and short. Um, so I, I think that definitely played a, a big factor in in the fact that one thing that people don't really like also don't they they obviously know it's a, a factor, but the injury history. So, you know, he's been in San Francisco for four years now and he's played one full season because he already missed games this year. So he's not going to play a full season now he's injured currently. Uh, so you have to kind of take that into consideration as well. Like if you're paying this guy $27.5 million a year, you need him to be able to play. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that had a big, big factor in it not to say that guy other guys can't get injured but uh the fact that he can't stay healthy and i'm paying you all this money you know i don't the only way i see him coming back next year and i think they'd have to talk to him about possibly taking getting restructured just because of needing to extend debo needing to possibly give an extension to dick bosa um you would just have to hope that he kind of plays the Tom Brady role and says, you know what, we want to, I want to keep these guys around. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a pay cut. I'm, you know, I'll take it in form of a bonus or whatever. Um, and just allow them to, to have some, some other guys get their, get their money and still have some room to make some, some investments, you know, definitely in the secondary, I think is a hundred percent like top priority next off season. It's going to be a crazy offseason. I mean, we want to enjoy these last uh, three games here left. But, uh, yeah, come the offseason, March, whatever, free agency is going to be nuts. There's going to be all kinds of changes. Um, the, the 49ers will run the ball well over the Rams and everyone else. If the Rams could somehow find a way to get – find I don't know, find a run defense and, and to uh, keep the 49ers under 100, 100 yards, 150 yards, that sure be nice. Uh, 49ers run it for 40 times again, game over. Jimmy G barely has to throw. Um, what are your final predictions for this Sunday, the NFC championship? Um, go ahead, bet with your head, bet with your heart. I, I, I got to bet with, I got to not bet or predict with my, uh, my, my heart. I'm going to say it's going to be uh, somewhat low scoring. I'm going to go 24, 23 Los Angeles Rams. I got, I was going to go 28, 27, 49ers. Ooh, uh, a couple of one point games. I like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think, uh, especially, you know, not having to take into account the elements they played in last week, I think playing in a dome, um, is going to change, you know, obviously they still ran for 107 yards last week, a tough 107 yards against green Bay. Um, but you know, putting, putting that team, you know, a guy, you know, guys who run the ball so well, the offensive line is so, so agile. So they get out so fast. 
You know, they just, I think there's, I think they're just going to be able to run the ball really well. Yeah. How do they, how does that sweep, how does a sweep work in the NFL? I can't understand that. They run that sweep better than any team I've seen in years. Because you look, because if you look, you look at Trent Williams, who's pulled off the left side and beats, beats linebackers to the hole. And you got, you got a guy (laughs) who's six, seven, three, 15 coming at you. You're getting. I, mean, I see it all put, spill put out there. It spills people. out. I'm like, okay, they got the bodies. Cause as soon as a, like a run play like that happens, I immediately look to the blocks. I look off ball to the guys, you know, I'm like, okay, they got enough guys over there. And then Debo just cuts it right up the numbers. I'm going where, <laughs> how did that happen? And then the fullback trap last week to use check. Yes. That was awesome. That was like 1940s football. Yeah, I definitely. And I'm feeling like I haven't seen it this year. Uh, they ran a play a couple years ago where they handed the ball off to use check and they ran an option <laughs> where he got killed, but pitched it to Mostert and Mostert took it like 30 yards for a touchdown, but the announcers lost their mind. They just ran the option in the NFL. Like what? I just, <laughs> and I, I, I was blown that. away because they pulled, that was the Saints game. They pulled out all the stops that day. That was the day that uh Emmanuel Sanders threw the touchdown to Mostert as well like they pitched it to him he ran out and he launched it and threw a touchdown to Mostert they had another I mean this had the basically the same play where Debo threw that touchdown to Jawan Jennings a couple weeks ago yeah um, so they pulled that one out but I, I definitely see the use check option play coming I think everything's going to be first of all we're going to see something really really crazy uh th- that we always seem to see I mean the block punt last week was nuts um the muff pun in that uh, NFC championship with the giants a few years ago, ago not to bring up a, a painful memory, but like something crazy and weird is going to happen. That's totally going to change the game. A few years ago, the Rams dropped a couple punts in the playoffs. Like something crazy is going to happen. That's just going to, we'll all remember. And so uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be nuts. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, how many times are, uh, have you been, um, uh, second guess or, or said, Hey, Hey, Kyle, with, especially with your, your 49er hat on, how many times have you been referred to as Kyle Shanahan? Uh, actually, it's funny you say that too. a couple nights ago, last night, uh, we were at the dinner and, uh, um, Kyle was on the, on the screen. Uh, they were talking about the, the game or whatever. Obviously you couldn't hear it, but you know, he was up on the podium and he's got his beard and he's got his hat on. And, and my daughter goes, daddy, daddy, he looks like you. And I thought he does look like me. And it was cool because uh, over the summer I was in the middle of a kitchen remodel. I'm just working and uh, my phone starts ringing. It's a friend of mine who I I don't really talk to often um, here and there, whatever, but he's FaceTiming me. I'm like, this has got to be a mistake. Like what, why is he FaceTiming? I don't ever talk to him on FaceTime. As soon as I answer it though, Kyle Shanahan's on this, on the screen. I'm like, what, (laughs) what? He's like, what's up Travis? I go, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like, I said, man, I love you guys. You, uh, you guys are awesome. I'm a huge Niners fan. He's like, well, we hope we can get it back on track. And uh, I was like, that's awesome. I appreciate you calling. And it was a quick inter- interchange, but man, I was ecstatic for, you know, a couple hours. I thought that was really cool. Um, that was one of the the photos we put up uh, of you for uh, our post for the upcoming episode. That was really <laughs> that, that cool. FaceTime. <laughs> Yeah, I think you can awesome. definitely see the similarities in, in the in the FaceTime. You can, you know, side by side. I think it's very obviously very uh very close. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You'll have to rock uh rock Kyle Shanahan for for Halloween one year. That'd be easy. Uh, one. Just give me a headset, and I got all my Niners gear ready. So that's it. Hey, have you ever seen the Chris Gonzalez um costume he did when he did Singletary? 
I did see that one. Yes. That was, that was awesome. Very good. Very Every good. Every detail, the cross, yes. the heads. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Travis, this has been great, man. I appreciate it. Um, kind of a way to, I don't know, ease into the weekend as we prepare for the, this uh, massive game. Um, I don't know that the Rams and Niners have ever met in an NFC championship. I could be wrong, but um, I know the Niners have been there a lot more than the Rams. So I'm going to say it probably hasn't happened. Excited, nervous, scared, all the above, but uh, I'm glad we got to share this uh, opportunity to, to talk about umpiring and the big game for uh, Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you having me on and I uh, look forward to this weekend. Going to be fun, man. What's uh, what's on the menu? What's on the Anything special? You going pizza? You going wings? Uh, what kind of eases uh, your mind? On? To, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've gone wings both weekends and we've won, so I might have to go back to the wings. Uh. You know, just to kind of keep it a little superstitious. Uh, we'll see, but that that's probably going to be on the menu. I love it. I love it, man. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll check, we'll text or talk at some point. Uh, I would say good luck to you, but I can't. I can't in good conscience say that. But in, enjoy the game, my friend. Yes, absolutely. You as well. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Well, see, guys, I'm able to have pleasant conversations with 49er fans. Just had almost an hour and a half. Wow, almost two-hour conversation here with Travis Carlson. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm ready for the game. As you guys can see behind me here on YouTube, we're ready to kick this thing off. Um, Man, Sunday can't get here soon enough. Uh, Whether you're a Rams fan, a 49er fan, or just a football fan in general, or you're just someone that's going to tune in to see uh, how angry Matt's going to be on Tuesday morning or Monday morning, whenever I record next week's podcast um, should be a great game. Hopefully it is a good game. And uh, I want my Rams to win very badly, especially over those hated rival 49er guys. Um, but either way, it's uh, the second to last game at SoFi stadium, the NFC championship. And of course, Super Bowl 56 uh, big things here in LA, even for those LA 49er fans, I guess, well, no, I can't say anything nice about them. Uh, but anyway, should be a lot of fun. Tune in this Sunday. Uh, the Rams 49ers are the second game. First game, Bengals and Chiefs at 12 uh, here on the West Coast. 3.30 kickoff at SoFi Stadium for the NFC title game. I just, you know, when your team is not in it that often and then they get this close, it's fun. You have no control. That's the thing. You have no control over what can and will happen. You just sit back and you cheer and, and hope for the best. And uh, when you're winning, you want that clock to go quick. And when you're losing, you want that clock to go slow. So I'm uh, out of words, out of emotions. But uh, on Tuesday, I will have a recap of both games, but especially the NFC Championship. I will record it on Monday and give my thoughts on what we see on Sunday with the NFL uh, after those two games. Our matchup for Super Bowl 56 in LA will be set. And, uh, Man, we'll be down to those two teams for a champion um, in a couple weeks here in February. So uh, exciting times. Travis Carlson, thanks for joining the program. Appreciate uh, you taking the time and sharing some great memories from the past. Guys, go Rams. Enjoy the game. Uh, Win and stay home. Can we say that? Win and stay home, whether it's the Rams winning and staying home in SoFi or the Niners winning and staying home in SoFi, their second home. Uh, they, they, I think that the, the 49ers get a lot more fans than the Chargers do on a regular basis at SoFi Stadium. I'm just kidding. Not so much. Uh, anyway, guys, I'm out of breath. Time for me to move on. You guys have a great weekend. Get all the chores. Get everything done before Sunday morning so you can enjoy the two incredible football games. The best day of the year, in my opinion, Championship Sunday. 
uh, better than the Super Bowl because it's not one but two games. The final four of football, San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. Enjoy the game, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. But as always, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe.